I open the floor in the evening to questions. You can question me about anything we've discussed or, or anything else that might come to your mind. So, are there any questions tonight? Yes. Radha has a question. Radha has a question. Okay. She, she, wants, to, she wants to know which god does the rainbow, makes the rainbow. Uh, I have to ask Radha a question. Why are you hiding behind your father? <laughs> Until you answer that, then I won't answer your question. You have to come out. <laughs> now she's hiding even more. Still we can see you. Okay, well, Radha hides sometimes. That's all right. <laughs> she can hide from Krishna. Well, she can hide from me, certainly. Hmm. Which God makes the rainbow? That's the question. Which God? Is there more than one? Is there more than one God? There are many gods with a small G, but with a big G, capital G, there's only one. Hmm? Actually, there's some of those too. <laughs> Is it Varaha who makes the rainbow? Hmm? Is it Narayan who makes the rainbow? Hmm? Is it Kurma who makes the rainbow? No, that would be Krishna who makes the rainbow. He is the most, because why? Because he is the most colorful form of God. Hmm? Colorful, that means he's a very colorful person. Hmm? What makes him colorful? Again, bhakti. Hmm? How does bhakti make God colorful? Well, in Brahman, Brahman is also God, but it's not very colorful. Hmm? It has no variety, no movement, no qualities, hmm? still everywhere at once, can't move, therefore. Hmm? Knows everything, another reason it can't move. If you know everything, it will be difficult to move. Hmm? You'll know what's going to happen, and you'll have no impetus to move. If you're everywhere, then you can't move, because you're already everywhere. So, such is Brahman, not the very colorful person. Even to say person seems problematic. <laughs> hmm? uh, so... Uh, certainly the rainbow doesn't come from <laughs> from Brahman. Hmm. But as we uh, add bhakti, hmm, hmm, then this causes Brahman to move. Hmm. And as Brahman, who's everywhere, begins to move, he begins to look smaller. Hmm. First he was everywhere, now he's got four arms. He's kind of everywhere. He's got four arms, it means. Hmm? Sometimes a child pulls on the apron of her mother who's cooking and wants something, and she says, what do you think? I have four arms. Hmm? I only have two arms, so you have to wait. Hmm? So we see Narayan has four arms. It means he's God. <laughs> he's beyond human. Hmm? But four arms still is kind of small compared to being everywhere. Hmm? And having a shape. Shape implies space hmm? and time. Hmm? Spiritual life is supposed to be beyond space and beyond time. Hmm? But here we're speaking about a trans-spatial space. Hmm? And trans-temporal uh, time. Time for the sake of of um, succession, um, but not in terms of origin. Hmm? 
that there can be events hmm? succeeding. Time facilitates there, but not in terms of origins or in terms of dissolution, as time functions here. It is the hand of God, so to speak, hmm? um, bringing the world into being and then uh, then dissolving it again. Hmm? So, uh, no, when we move from Brahman to Narayan, the idea appears to become smaller, local, provincial, sectarian. Huh? But if we understand it properly, what's happening is, as I've sometimes explained, we're finding that the, actually the conception of Narayan is, more, is bigger and more spacious because it constitutes a more affectionate form of the Godhead. Brahman is not very affectionate. Hmm? It's accommodating hmm? like a big restful bed after a very long and tiring day hmm? of mental and sensual oppression. And how long was that day? It had no beginning. (laughs) On a naughty day I had an unhappy day, and I need to rest—a day without beginning, where I was being driven by the force of mind and senses in so many different directions, oppressed. Never a minute to rest. Never, even at night, dreaming, hmm? activity. Sometimes, for a brief moment, I would have no dreams, not be harassed by my senses and their demands neither by my mind. And I woke up from that thinking, oh, that was good. That was peaceful. Brahman is said to be something like that. A big bed. Hmm? For a very sound, sound sleep. The mind stops. Hmm? The senses stop. They dissolve. Hmm? The Atma then rests in Brahman. Hmm? that's comforting but it's not comforting in the same way as affection is, a com- is, is comforting indeed in, the, in, a, in an affectionate surrounding we can work very hard therefore it's said that there is such a thing as labor of love in which the labor is so intense hmm? but it is not felt at all Hmm? it is not felt it's just an expression of love when the movement becomes an expression of love it's as much movement because love is demanding very demanding Hmm? it demands exclusive exclusive attention Hmm? 108% of your attention Hmm? as the mind and the senses are demanding of us and have us moving but in slavery, so to speak, with no with no compensation, work without compensation, only counterfeit money is given, and uh, there's no purchasing power there of anything for anything that's enduring, problematic. So, from the restful Brahman to now movement generated by the form of Narayan, movement, bhakti. Because of bhakti, in one sense, Brahman now has four arms. 
and is moving, and in moving in an affectionate way, with loving way, hmm? very kind, generous master is Narayan. So while it appears smaller, it's actually bigger, the conception of Narayan, than Brahman, because the element of affection is present there, hmm? to an extent that it's not present, if at all, in Brahman. Hmm? I've given an example before that if you love someone, then where you are, how much room you have, doesn't always make that much difference. You could love someone and live in a cave, just the two of you, and here, there you are. It's a very small space, hmm? but you're in love, so it's it it it, it turns uh, an otherwise uncomfortable and um, unaccommodating space into a very accommodating space, such as the power of love. So as we move from Brahman to Narayan, and Narayan to Krishna, hmm? Krishna is even smaller than Narayan, much smaller than Narayan. Hmm? I mean, universes are thought to be coming out of the poreholes of Narayan, and Krishna is appearing in in a planet in each universe, how small he is. He's, he's, he's said to be medium size. It's a, it's a term from Nyaya, the philosophy of Nyaya. There's the infinitesimal and the infinite, and then there's the medium size. Hmm. So it means like human-like. So very small, and he has two arms. Hmm. And Vrindavan is a very, very small place compared to Vaikuntha. Hmm. By Kunta and the many faces of Narayan. Hmm? How many Vaikuntha planets are there? Innumerable. <coughs> Excuse me. Krishna. <coughs> As there are many faces of Narayan, hmm? so it means many abodes, hmm? many possibilities of divine experience. Hmm? The Krishna experience is 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 more uh, specific. The setting is very rural. It's a very very small place, the village of Vrindavan. But it's so much love there. So much so much more accommodating is Krishna. So much more movement is there on the part of Bhagwan than 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 even in Vaikuntha. Hmm? full of leela hmm? you can I can ask you know what are the leelas of Narayan you can count a few avatars they did they came they did this they did that huh? Krishna leela is so rich comparatively and just in quantity the number of leelas so I mean that even those that have been related which are just a fraction of the he is leela leela hmm? leela this is one of his qualities, um, surrounded by very extraordinary, sweet uh, pastimes, hmm? leelas. Uh, he's Lila Purushottam. This is a name for Krishna. Lila Purushottam. This is not a name for Narayan. It's a name for Krishna. Lila Purushottam. Very person of Lila. Hmm? The supreme being of Lila, who plays the best. Hmm? who plays the most, 
must be the most powerful because as I often say, it takes power to play. If you want to play and come on the vacation with Swami somewhere in the Polish mountainside, you have to have saved up some time. You have to have some some money to come. You have to have the power to steal away from your temple without them knowing so that you can come. <laughs> you need some power to play, is the point. <laughs> so he was only playing. He is all-powerful. Hmm, this is Krishna. He, Lila Purushottam, the supreme person of play. He plays so hard that he, that he, that he, that the role that he plays, he identifies with so much that that is more him hmm, than the Godhead that he is who's playing the role. The Godhead is playing the role. Hmm, that he is more the role than he is the Godhead. In other words, if you in a drama, if you become the person in the uh, in, in the in, in the drama who, who is your your role, then you'll certainly win the Academy Award for that. So Krishna is the best the best player. Hmm? He's the omniscient and omnipresent Brahman dealing with the problem of omniscience and omnipresence. The problem of omniscience is boredom. The problem of omnipresence is you can't go anywhere. Hmm? So we might think they're desirable to be omnipresent, wow, to be omniscient. But from the Godhead's point of view, this is problematic. Hmm? And bhakti comes to save the day, so to speak. Hmm? Uh, the shakti of Bhagavan. Hmm? Uh, to bring some ignorance to the omniscient, some unknowing to the all-knowing. Hmm? And of course, that unknowing is more knowing than omniscience, because it's a kind of knowing that's more fulfilling. And what is the value of knowledge? Hmm? Knowledge informs action. Hmm? The perfect knowledge is that act, that knowledge that informs the action that makes me perfectly happy. So, the action of Krishna Leela, hmm? this is most um, fulfilling to Krishna. So the ignorance that's involved there is actually a greater kind of knowing than omniscience. That's why bhakti is heralded as as being the the full face of knowledge. Krishna says that the king of knowledge is what? Oh boy, that must be a big subject, we'll think. The king of knowledge, the most secret of secrets, what is it? Manmana bhava madbhakto madhyaji mamnamaskaru become my devotee. That's it. Think of me. Offer your respect to me and so forth. To do bhakti. You might not think that bhakti is 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 knowledge. You might think that you do bhakti to get knowledge. But the Gita has a very different idea. So, this is what it's speaking about, really. Krishna absorbed in bhakti is the, is the most knowing form of the Godhead. So he moves in that, uh, uh, in, in, in Leela, he knows, he doesn't know, but his unknowing is a further, is a greater knowing. And his, um, the problem of om, om, omnipresence, being everywhere, and thus the inability to move is also solved hmm? in Leela. Fully solved, partially solved in Narayan's Vilas and Vaikuntha, fully solved in Krishna Leela. Hmm? So much he's moving that he has become a dancer. Hmm? 
And who is the dancing teacher? Who is his instructor? That is the love of Radha. The preem of Radha, he says. That is my teacher. She is, that is my guru. In the school of, of dancing. It means such a colorful person he is. <laughs> so which god makes the rainbow? It must be Krishna. He is the most colorful god. He's all he's all accommodating, actually. He's all accommodating. This is the meaning of Rasaraj. All accommodating. All things can be harmonized in the Braj Lila. All things that we see. That which is most un- thought to be most undesirable, undesirable from a religious perspective, find its place in the Braj Lila. It's fully accommodated. So Gaudiya people, they should be somewhat open-minded. Hmm? There's a way, the way to accommodate all things. Just some slight adjustment we can accommodate, hmm? and that requires, of course, understanding the principles that are involved, the underlying principles. Hmm? Then we can understand the spirit of the law and apply it dynamically, different circumstances, and to accommodate all people. It's not to the exclusion of anyone. Hmm? There must be a way to harmonize all tendencies, propensities, and and uh, Nard was able to find a place for the hunter, hmm? who was half killing animals, taking pleasure in that, and then eating them afterwards after they died. Nard said, "One thing I ask of you: kill them completely." Don't have killed them. Just kill them completely. Can you do that? Hmm? The hunter th- was stunned by the idea, but it's it's. This was Nard's first instruction. Just have killed them. Hmm? This is a, a, an example of dynamic preaching. Hmm? Don't don't just just completely kill them. Not don't have. He used to have kill them and take pleasure in seeing them struggling. So Nard said, okay, look, you're a hunter. Let's see what we do here. To ask you to stop killing, that will be very difficult. So let me ask you this. Can you stop half killing them? Hmm? What do you think? Hmm? This was his first instruction to the hunter. Hmm? Very accommodating. We would think, oh, this guy's completely unqualified. <laughs> he can't enter the temple even. Hmm? Nard found space for him. Do they stop to have killing, completely kill him? Just the thought of that struck the hunter in such a way that that's, I never thought of it like that. What what are you talking about? So he got a, created a teachable moment hmm, by that teaching. Hmm, completely killed them. It just really went with his propensity. Hmm, just slightly adjusted it. Hmm, killed them completely, as many as you want. Hmm? So, Nard had asked, he had asked Nard, is there anything I can do for you? Do you want any skins? You know, <laughs> are you hungry? <laughs> you know, Nard said, well, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> I've got a spiritual body, I don't need to eat, and I don't, so <laughs> I don't need any clothing. But No, I ask you this, just stop half-killing. He didn't even say stop half-killing. Just He said just kill them completely. 
how you say it is important. Just kill them completely. If you said stop half killing, that would have been a little hard to digest. Kill them completely. Huh, I can go with that. <laughs> so that struck him in a way. That just created a teachable moment in him. Hmm? And then being open by that, Nard could further teach him. Of course, he put aside the, the killing altogether and began chanting and yeah, it became perfect. Valmiki is said to have been a murderer also, preoccupied with death. When asked to chant the name Rama, he found it difficult to do that because he was preoccupied with death and Ram exemplified immortality and kindness, and, um, righteousness and so forth to the extreme. This is Ram. So Nara told him to chant, instead of Rama, to chant Mara, which means death. But Mara, chanted enough times, turns into Rama. Mara, 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 Rama. So he became perfect in this way. And all of the Ramalila manifested in his heart. Hmm? Valmiki, Ramayana, this beautiful story, all that comes from his heart, from Ram Nam. Hmm? You see how expert Narada was. So... So the, what speaks in the Brajlila, as they say, it's so accommodating, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism, so accommodating. Hmm? Well, we should be a little bit like that. Hmm? This is our heritage. This is our, our ideal. So this is Krishna. He made the rainbow. Jai Radhe. <laughs> there she goes, chasing rainbows. So, he's a very colorful, very colorful God. Hmm? Full of, full of bed full of difference. Hmm? Fullest measure of... The, this is the the, 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 the Advaigyan Tattva, the Abhed, the non-different absolute. Hmm? It, is, it is most different, most variegated um, manifestation. Hmm? That is Krishna Lila. So variegated, so colorful. He is the... He is the, the hmm? Is the perfect the perfect hero, in in, in perfect, uh, I say, leading man. Hmm? In 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 drama, there's in Indian aesthetics and in, in in drama there are, I think, ninety six ninety six different t- hero types. Hmm? There's the there's the dear Lita, dear Prashanta, dear Dhata, dear Dhata, dear Dhata. There's four kinds. Amongst them, some are parakya, some are uh, svakya, hmm? uh, uh, upapati, but the married type, the, un- the unmarried type. Hmm? So four times two is is eight, and then appearing in in, in, in Dwarka and Mathura and Vrindavan, which is perfect, more perfect, less perfect. You multiply this anyway. Come to ninety-six different types of hero. Types and of course Krishna's all of them combined. The perfect hero, most the most colorful form of the Godhead, the most um, um, most 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 diverse, and the implication is most accommodating. And his compassionate nature, his other self, in a sense, is Radha. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that Krishna. Hmm? 
stay in the mood of Radha, how accommodating he must be. So we should be a little accommodating, a little broad-minded, and some understanding of tattva, that will be very helpful for us. The deeper we go into the tattva, then the more we find, if we're properly taught, we find there's so much nuance there, philosophically. So many different ways of understanding, for example, a particular verse and applying it. There are parameters, there are unchangeables, if you will. But to catch the spirit, this is required. This will, this as we as we catch the spirit of the law, if you will, of the, the then then this will very much turn the theological person of Krishna into a real person. Hmm? The theological person will become a real person. And the person that I thought was real, myself, will dissolve. Hmm? And all that I actually could be, which is so far beyond my being Polish or being American, which is such a limited idea. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm Polish, I can't speak English. I'm English, I can't speak Polish. Krishna speaks every language hmm? of every species, even those that we think don't speak. He speaks their language, the language of the trees and the flowers and the animals. This is the idea of Krishna. Hmm? The point is to give some idea of what your possibilities are. Hmm? What the possibilities are for... We have sensibilities for taste, for smell, for, for... for hearing, for touching. The soul is the toucher, the hearer, the taster. The senses are, are so much, the Polish or the American or the Finnish senses, are so much limiting our capacity to taste, to feel, to, to touch, to hear. What can you hear about reality with, with, with two little holes in the side of the, one head? <laughs> It's very limited. Hmm? So some idea there. Krishna speaks all languages. What goes on there? What is that place like? The language of, of, of love. Sometimes I speak rather uh, logically, I hope, <laughs> intellectually to kind of stretch your intellect, but you have to speak, Guru has to speak the language of love and translate it into logic and reason to those who hopefully reasonable people hmm? uh, in their pursuit of meaning, value, purpose, and so forth. Hmm? So there, the world, it's all moving on uh, by, by love. So all possibilities. Hmm? Hmm? So, Krishna made the rainbow. What Another question. Yes. You mentioned uh, in the morning um, that in, in Mangala Charanam in, in, there was um, some questions Krishna had about that himself, and he didn't know about himself. Um, what was these questions, and if he got the answers? Aha, uh-huh. yeah. That uh, it comes a little later in the Mangala Charanam. Hmm? I don't know if we'll, we'll get that far, but 
These are the questions, there were three questions that Krishna asked. He wanted to understand um, himself hmm, from the perspective of Radha. So what is it about me hmm, that um, is so sweet, that makes her the way she is, that even if she sees something like a dark tamal tree twisted like this in the night just seeing that not seeing me just seeing something that remotely resembles me she goes mad hmm? Krishna's Kaviraj explains for all of the senses of Radha hmm? how just something that remotely re- might resemble Krishna upon encountering that with her senses, that she goes mad. Krishna observes this in her, and he's just like, his his mind is blown, if you will. He just cannot fathom what is, what she is experiencing with her, that she is experiencing that makes her like that. It's not happening to him. Hmm? This puts Krishna out of balance, because Krishna thinks, and rightfully so, I am the perfect object of love. Hmm? But then he sees a measure of love in Radha that he himself doesn't know. So, am I the perfect object of love? This starts to be his question. Hmm? What is it that she sees in me? What is the nature of her love? Hmm? What is the what is the ananda that she experiences? These are the kind of questions he asks. These are the internal reasons for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. He's asking these questions and he's thinking it out. And as he thinks it out, he he realizes, wait a minute, I'm okay. I am the perfect object of love. Because it's something in me that she sees that makes her like that. Hmm? So I am the perfect object of love. I'm doing that to her. Hmm? Hmm? So I'm okay. I'm God. (laughs) thought I was. <laughs> I was supposed to be. The scriptures say that. Uh, I'm the perfect, I'm Rasaraj, I'm the perfect object of love. <laughs> so he takes a breath, and goes, all right, okay, good. But, but then I don't experience those things hmm, in the way that she does. They're there in me. There's no doubt that they're there in me. She is the testimony, Moni, to that. Her, 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 her very person is a, is a testament to my perfection. Hmm? the extent to which she's been driven mad in love, I'm the source of that. Hmm? But I don't experience what she experiences. So she sees something in me that's there. There's no doubt it's there. And it's why I'm heralded you know, to be who, who I am. But I don't experience it. So how can I experience hmm, what she <laughs> experiences? How can I know myself better? Hmm? How can, this is his kind of God in, in existential crisis. Hmm? Asking these, these are the very exalted theological questions coming from the mouth of God. Hmm? So these are not the kind of questions we find in Western philosophy <laughs> about God. Theological questions, as I said earlier. <laughs> very extraordinary ideas. Hmm? So then the necessity to... He's driven by the necessity to to uh, experience himself from Radha's.
perspective. And necessity is said to be the mother of invention. So that's the invention of Gorlila, if you will. Hmm? This is what he invents. He is not another Leela, but he extends his own Leela. Because it's in the height of his own Leela that he finds this problem. Krishna Leela is a failure. Hmm? It's a complete failure <laughs> from Krishna's point of view. Hmm? Uh, so uh, he's meant to taste the highest love, and in the context, he really he's got a problem. So, so he extends his lila, hmm? and he reverses it out. Hmm? He reverses. He becomes the ashraya, hmm? the shelter of love, hmm? the, the vessel of love, hmm? rather than the object of love. Or he tries to. He tries to. This is gore lila. This is very extraordinary idea. <laughs> a very extraordinary idea. He tries to assume the position of his of his the full measure of his his uh, devotee personified as Radha, he, he, and, he, and and in context of doing that, he he demonstrates a method to his madness. This is a kind of a madness, hmm? the madness of God, and then the method to sankirtan. Hmm? So the teaching comes to us, and the opportunity comes to us hmm? as a result of his madness, the external. Uh, benediction, the teaching, and so forth, is all arising out of the, its internal necessity. Whether for Goloker, Premodhan, Harinam, Sankirtan, it comes from there. Hmm? You understand? In this way, yes, he answers the questions in the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu becomes Radha. Krishna becomes Radha. He says, Asli Shiva Padratam Panashtuma Marashanam Mahamatam Kurotuta. The last verse of Shikshastakam, Krishnadas Kabiraj writes, This is the voice of Radha. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu now has the voice of Radha. Having been schooled by Sarup Damodar and Ramananda Roy, hmm? who understand Radha very well, hmm? they are conceived by Gaudi Acharyas to be different persons at different times, by different acharyas, but all of the persons who are there conceived to be identified with in Krishna Leela hmm, know very intimately the position of Radha. For example, Srubhdhamadar is sometimes conceived to be as Lalita Saki, or sometimes conceived to be as Vishaka. Both are the, the closest friends of, of Radha. Vishaka is born on the same day as Radha, so she has a similar astrological chart, with a similar... Uh, Similar in, in, in so many respects. Lalita is a very close uh, friend. Hmm? Um, uh, sometimes Krishnadas himself identifies Ramananda with Subal in Chaitanya Charitamrita. That is Krishna's closest friend. No one in all the Brajalila can better pacify. Radha, hmm? when she needs pacifying, hmm? when she's unwilling to meet Krishna hmm? because of something he's done, or, or because he has done nothing. Ahetu, <laughs> hetu, it means like this man moves like this. Sometimes with cause she becomes upset with him, and sometimes for no cause she becomes upset with him. It's like every time often men think that for no reason she's going off. <laughs> For no reason. Well, again, we have to hear again. She has some 
Sometimes he can understand. There's good reason. Yes, I was wrong. I learned from her. Hmm? So sometimes for, for good reason, sometimes for no reason, Radha is upset with Krishna. Hmm? So who, who, who Krishna has to send different messengers to her hmm, to do his bidding. Oh, you please look at it another way. You please forgive me. Hmm? They all try. It's Brinda Devi, Lalita, Vishak, so many. Hmm? Subal is the most capable, most capable, and he speaks very strongly to her. Hmm? I come to tell you that this is a dead, dire situation. Hmm? Rajendra Nandan is standing on the banks of the Radhakund. He is about to drown himself. Hmm? You proud girl. Hmm? full of pride you are. Hmm? I come here to offer you some good advice. Hmm? You may not like him, that's fine. Hmm? But now if he commits suicide, what will become of Nanda Maharaj? What will become of Balaram? What will become of your brother, Sridham? What will become of Yashoda Mai? Hmm? Or so affectionately attached to him. Still you are putting up some opposition? Hmm? You please consider. The whole of Braj is now in your hands. Hmm? <laughs> what you do will determine the future of all, of the whole of Raj. Hmm? This way he argues with her. Very, very compelling. This is one example. She's moved then. Hmm? It is said, when when Radha wants to experience Sakiras, she becomes Subal. Hmm? Hmm? This is taught by Raghunathaska Swami. He gives a thousand names of of, of Radha, among them, this idea comes. Hmm? So, as I say, Ramananda and and um, Surabhadramana, who in whose company Mahaprabhu stayed in the final years, in very close company, they helped him to enter into the position of Radha, because whomever they've been identified with by different devotees in terms of Krishna Lila, their identity in Krishna Lila. All of those um, identifications um, on the higher side, in the Brajlila, all amount to persons that, are, that know Radha very well and can help Krishna. Hmm? Can help Krishna become Radha. And this is what he's trying to do. Hmm? And he can't become Radha on his own. Her blessing has to be there. Gadadhar, give the blessing. Stood in the background. Hmm? He has to stand in the background because now Krishna is becoming Radha. And he is Radha. How can he be there? He, he fades to the background. And, and Ramananda and Sarup then coach Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? and give the blessing to him. He becomes Radha. So yes, he answered the questions. Hmm? This is very extraordinary. And so if we look very closely at Krishna, look closer, that one, you'll see there's two there. Huh? To see, see Krishna accurately, you have to see Radha there as well. Keep looking, and the two again become one. Hmm? That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the answer to the great dilemma of love, hmm? of divine love. The dilemma of divine love is that Radha and Krishna are two. 
they're one in two bodies Mahabhav and Rasaraj Radha and Krishna the highest love and the perfect object of love hmm? they're two so in order to love the two have to become one hmm? when Radha and Krishna have the fullest union hmm? in Mahabhav the fullest union of Radha and Krishna hmm? is what Ramananda taught Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about hmm? this union of Radha and Krishna. It, in his poem, he speaks about this. This is the culmination of the of his teaching to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as to the sadhya, the highest ideal, hmm? to participate in the in the in the most intimate union of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? How can you? Do, who will be there for that? Who can you? How can you do that? And he teaches after that. What is the sadhana for that? And how you how you can participate that in that in the most? Hmm? How that is not possible without sakis, hmm? without Krishna's intimate friends and gopis. That union is not possible. Hmm? That's why Krishna needs our love. <laughs> in Leela, he needs the love of his friends, hmm? gopis and gopas in order to fully unite with Radha. Their intrigues and participation is all necessary, are necessary ingredients for that union. But the union, when it is, is consummate, what happens? We see in Ramananda's poem, Radha starts thinking that she's Krishna. Krishna starts thinking that he's Radha. So they kind of changed, but there's still two. They wanted to become one. The two wanted to become one. Becoming one, they they changed positions. There was still two. So it's still a problem. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the solution. Hmm? He is the two in one. <laughs> this is the idea. Hmm? He is Mahabhav. He is Rasaraj. Hmm? From him we can learn about the union of Radha and Krishna. From him we can learn the way to participate in that. Hmm? Hmm? To the f- fullest possible, po- fullest potential of the jiva, an, just a, an ordinary, if you will, atma, hmm? can participate in that. Hmm? In a way that, that the doors to that are closed, even to, to other souls constituted of Swarup Shakti, who are not like us. Hmm? Nitya Siddhas, never never knowing imperfection, and and and, and souls constituted not of Tatasta Shakti but of Swarup Shakti. Hmm? The benediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu involves the possibility that the Atma can have a position in relation to the union of Radha and Krishna hmm? in service. That even the even others who are otherwise more exalted and extraordinary have no access to this is an extraordinary uh, benediction and it's just a, it's just kind of a byproduct of the madness of of Krishna and the the his kind of um, creativeness as I said. Uh, Necessity is the mother of invention. So he invents this whole 
lila, if you will. Hmm? It's not something, of course, that happens in, in, in time. It's just a way of talking about it. So does that help? Yeah. Yes. I have this question about Guru. Uh, it is recommended for the cycle to have uh, Uttama Dikari as a Guru. Mm. And uh, Rupa Goswami in Patishanavita, he mentioned two qualities by which we can recognize Uttama Dikari. That he is Bajana Bajana Vigyam, expert in Bajana, uh, which is obvious quality. And second one is uh, that he is free from criticizing others. Mm-hmm. And Shumya. So I sometimes I wonder why he chose this quality among many of the qualities. Uh, because um, it seems that this is uh, this quality is a little uh, seems to be opposed to, to the idea of guru. Guru is heavy. Uh, he sometimes chastising and criticizing, but but it should be you know uh, free from this this quality. And see, sometimes we see even in Raupak he was quite heavy and criticizing mm-hmm. his good brothers, right? Brothers, so how, can, how we should understand this? Right. How can we understand criticizing on the part of the guru when the guru is thought to be uh, free from criticizing others? Mm-hmm. Well, there's criticizing in different modes of nature. Of course, there's criticizing in the mode of ignorance where you criticize for the sake of criticizing. Mm-hmm. There's criticism in the mode of passion where you criticize in order to feel better about yourself. We criticize someone else and and, and, and and then we feel better about our own position. This is criticism in the mode of passion. And then there's constructive criticism, which is sattvic. So constructive criticism is a different is of a different character altogether. I think when we speak about the guru is free from the capacity to, or the tendency to criticize others. It speaks of the criticism in a pejorative sense hmm? that we find when criticism is driven by Rajas or Thomas. But when but criticism has a uh, a positive connotation hmm? when it is driven by sattva. Hmm? So the ordinary idea, a criticism being a bad thing, an ugly, um, this is again the pejorative side of the, of the word. There's another side application of the word, just like discrimination. If I say discrimination, you think, oh, you know, yes, we shouldn't be racist, we shouldn't be sexist, huh? and exercise discrimination. But then discrimination is also said to be the better part of Valor and and and, and it, it properly engaged in discrimination is very useful and, and necessary. So similarly with with criticism, I think that the, the idea of of criticism in terms of it having a pejorative connotation is to be avoided. But constructive criticism or Transcendental criticism. Hmm? What is transcendental criticism? That is the criticism 
of the gopis criticizing Krishna. Hmm? You rascal, don't come near our Radha. You don't have a, don't even think about it. Hmm? You have no place here, something like that. Or Krishna's friends would say, who do you think you are? You're such a big guy. You've done nothing, Balaram. Hmm? You're the older brother and Krishna has killed so many demons and you haven't even killed one. Who are you hiding? Were you hiding? Who do you think you are? Meanwhile, there are some fruits from the tall, the, the, the tall tree. And they're so ripe. Some big demons are hoarding them. No one can get to them. Hmm? And out of praying, we want to taste them. This is in the Bhagavad Gita. praying, we want to taste them. You know, there's some individual desire in praying. If those cowards taste those fruits, Krishna will be very pleased. Hmm? So they, this way they're criticizing Balaram. Oh, you big guy. You got the big arm. Ram, Ram, Mahabaho. Hmm? Big arms. Huh. So this way they get his ego. And he so comes out and he delivers the towel fruits by killing the Denakasura. And the cowards, how do they take the fruits? They take them and give them to all the all the village people, all the all the jungle people. They actually didn't taste them themselves. So there's transcendental criticism like this. Obviously the guru is not free from that. And also criticism in a in a positive sense, constructively, hmm, based on scripture and to, to correct the disciple and so forth, is, is required. Because Swami himself engaged in that. Hmm? You see, he corrected Jiva Goswami, instructed him, critiqued him, and so forth. And in their books, their texts, they're doing that. They're, they're offering a critique of Mayavad, for example. A critique. Hmm? Is, is the same as criticism, but it has a very positive connotation. Critique, I'm going to critique it. I'm going, so I think that this is the idea. Hmm? That the uh, criticism arising from the modes, the conditioning modes, sattva is also a mode of conditioning, but it's a, also a mode of nature that affords us some, um, some clarity. Hmm? And the, the clarity that it affords us gives us impetus to move in a spiritual direction. So it has a positive connotation. It has to, of course, you have to go beyond sattva guna, but still, from sattva hmm, comes knowledge. Hmm. That's why I say, e- even without bhakti, one can become an atmaram. Hmm? Like Socrates. Hmm? It is sattva guna. Hmm? So, critique or criticism driven by sattva, that does not have a pejorative connotation. Hmm? And that will not um, encumber our bhakti or um, uh, blemish us, so to speak. But it's actually... Um, and an ornament. I mean, there may be a side to Guru where he doesn't even offer constructive constructive criticism, and that may be very beautiful, but that is a problem also. So he, he or she may be in such a position 
to find no fault. There is nothing, there's no, there is no fault. It's all a perception. This is, of course, the teaching. Maya is a perception. Just looking at it the wrong way. Looking at it the wrong way, we can find so many problems, so many faults. Looking at it the right way, there are no problems. There are no faults. Um, but then there's nothing to teach. That's why the Uttamadikari, it's when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited the position of an Uttamadikari, he couldn't teach. He entered into trance, he became oblivious to the external world. He saw the rivers as Jamuna, the hills as, as Govardhan, and so forth. When he came out of that, then he would critique. Why did you bring me out of there? Hmm? While you're chanting. I was it. At Radhakund, I saw the gopis. And you're chanting now. Then he criticized. <laughs> so, when the, when the guru is partially externally conscious, hmm, that's certainly to our advantage, because we are externally oriented. And then he can instruct us that we maybe go inward. Hmm? So this side of the criticizing, if you will, uh, of the guru is very constructive, is very useful for us. Hmm? This is the position of some, this requires some discrimination. In Uttamadikari there's no discrimination. Hmm? Therefore, one has to have a madhyama perspective, an, an adibotic perspective, in order to teach. Now if one is, has the deeper realization and then they teach from an adibotic perspective. The teaching that they give, the criticism that they may render, and so forth for the sake of teaching, the discrimination that they exercise, and so forth, it will have greater power behind it than, a, than, a, than, a, than an intermediate devotee who does the same, greater realization behind it. But largely the, the instruction of teaching will will be the same because the same texts are being represented the teaching is is what it is but they'll be more artful in teaching and, and it will have a more create a, 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 a more powerful samskar for bhakti in our chitta hmm? so that's why Prabhupada used to say the Uttamadakari has to come to the Madhyam platform to criticize to answer your question <laughs> so criticism has its its uh, its, its its value hmm? Um, when it's done constructively. Does that help? What else? Yes. Do you live here in Poland? No. You don't, do you? But you come every year. Uh-huh. You live in the, in the United States, right? In Florida. Yes. Yeah. What's your name again? Kelly Kadamba. Kelly Okay. I have a question about the uh, um, um, Guru's human-like pastimes. What is it exactly? Like, what does it mean? Like, they, um, the life is a pastime, or this is just a name? Like, well, I think, um, yeah, I think I understand your question. Uh, the Guru um, appears before us first in what we call a sadaka deha. Deha means body and sadaka means 
practitioner, so a practitioner's body, and thus teaches the way of practice, of sadhana, by example. Amongst all of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates, there are many. One of the reasons that the six Goswamis are so much emphasized is because they, amongst Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates, more than anyone else, personally taught the life of a sadhaka by their example. Hmm? They're also important because of who they are in the sadhya, in the ideal, in relation to Radha and Krishna. They hold a very unique position there that they are giving out to the world in the context of helping to facilitate Krishna's entering into that experience of Radha that we were speaking about. But, again, from the point of view of sadhana, of spiritual practice, these associates very much personified the practice. They chanted regularly on the japa and uh, performed the parikrama of Govardhan and uh, so on and so forth, all these things they did. They worshipped the deity, they... Some of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were, were not setting examples that we could follow. Hmm? Like Ramananda Roy. Um, or um, the uh, Premanidhi. Hmm? Uh, I know there's uh, a couple of examples that stick out. Even Nityananda Prabhu, hard to follow him, his example. Hmm? To swim in the Ganges with alligators and to drink milk from the cows, utter like a calf, and so we're not supposed to do that. Kind of. So, uh, but the Goswamis very carefully set an example of sadhana for us. Hmm? And and who are the Goswamis? Hmm? So, they like said they have a very special place in Radha Krishna Lila. They are the handmaidens of Radha. Hmm? So they're young in the Lila, in the sadhya, in the ideal, the goal, the destination. Hmm. which is a moving destination and not a still not a static one that they they're they're really uneducated village girls Hmm. they're not only uneducated they're too young to be educated even even if they were to be educated they're too young to be educated Hmm. but when they appear in this world in that world there's no need for knowledge Hmm. Because knowledge is being expressed, as I said, in its fullest measure, in the love hmm, that, 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 that Krishna is, in a sense, a result of. Hmm? The bhakti, if we, if, we, if we integrate bhakti into Brahman, then Brahman, who's everywhere, starts to move, right? As I said earlier. Hmm? Who knows everything starts to become ignorant. Hmm? and unknowing. Krishna's unknowing. His Godhood is moving to the background. His Madhurya, his Aishvarya, his Godhood is moving to the background and his Madhurya, his sweetness is coming to the foreground. And the sweetness is is, is un, um, uninhibiting like Godhood is. It's kind of inhibiting. It makes you want to stand back a little bit. Oh my God! And we think, that's God. So that has to move to the background for there to be intimacy. Hmm? 
So a certain measure of bhakti has the power to cause the godhood of God to recede to the background and this sweetness, human-likeness, to come out. Hmm? So in that world of Leela, of Krishna Leela, there's no need for knowledge there. Hmm? But the fact that the ground of that place, so to speak, hmm, has more knowledge, the dust from that place has more knowledge than all of the universities of this world put together, is exemplified, is, is in, we, we, we learn that when in the form of the Goswamis, who are these village girls, but when they come here, where there's a need for knowledge, huh, they have so much knowledge. Hmm? Their, their understanding of the sacred text and revelation is, 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 is extraordinary. Hmm? Their ability to draw from so many places and assemble a veritable shastra of bhakti that shows that all of the sacred texts, diverse as they are, or appear to be in their message, are all, if properly understood, pointing to bhakti hmm? and ultimately to, to the Brajalila. All the sounds sacred sounds of the Upanishads are all like gems shedding light on two syllables, Krishna. This kind of things they show, it's very extraordinary. And they did it, they exhibited this knowledge of revelation in the context of being fully aware of the knowledge of the times, the cosmology of the times, the philosophical currents of the times, the Nyaya, the Yoga Siddhanta, the uh, the uh, Vaisheshika, the, the uh, Karma Mimamsa, different forms of Vedanta. These were the philosophies of the time. Like today we have secular philosophies, many different currents. of. The, they, were, they were current with all the, the thinking of the times and they were fluent in the sacred texts in a, in, in, to an extraordinary measure. So we see in them, well, that we, we include that place, Vrindavan, that looks like a simple village, there's a lot of knowledge in the ground there. Hmm? It's it's a wise kind of love. It looks otherwise, but they're quite wise. Because when they come, when the players of that drama hmm, find themselves in a place where knowledge is required, like this world, oh, then they exhibit so much knowledge. Hmm? Just like in my country, the United States, it's the most powerful military-industrial complex in the world used to be, I think it still is maybe, but it's powerful. Um, but we don't have any tanks. You never see a tank. You never even see a soldier anywhere. Hmm? Sometimes in European countries you have guys with machine guns at the airports and so forth, and in some European countries or Soviet countries, for the parades and the holidays, they, they parade missiles through the town and tanks and show our power. Hmm? You never see in a, in a national parade celebrating some form of nationalism in America. There'd never be tanks and missiles. And, and so forth. all these things are all hidden somewhere. Hmm? 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 So in Vrindavan, all this power, if you will, to use, I'm just using an analogy, it's all hidden. It's all in the ground. You, you don't see it there. But if America, to again play out the analogy, was to be attacked, then all these missiles would come out from everywhere, <laughs> and then they have so many of them, more than anywhere else. 
Hmm? Right? So, it's, so in Vrindavan, all this is there, all this Aishvarya. Knowledge is a form of Aishvarya. Hmm? But, so when, those, when the simple village girls, these gopis, they come to this world, oh, they have so much knowledge. They appear in sadhakadeyas. Hmm? But those sadhakadeyas are perfect, perfect sadhakadeyas. In, in other words, those, they are examples of practice, spiritual practice, but they are the example of the perfection of spiritual practice that we are to emulate. Hmm? And so their sadhakadeyas are of a spiritual quality. Hmm? Because what is material? Hmm? Again, now we don't. We, we will think of it in a kind of a tangible way. This is material. This is spiritual. <laughs> you know, material things you can touch. Spiritual things you can't. Something like that. But it's it's really not quite the idea. It's it's the um, it's the selfishness, the self taking. This is what calm is. Calm, material desire. Hmm? which manifests a world. The world is, it's a world of desires. Hmm? That's what it is. Without desires, well, what's the world? There's no world. Hmm? Things then have no meaning under themselves. We posit meaning in them, we desire, and so, so forth. So it makes the world go around. So the material means, come, means desires for the gratification of my senses. Hmm? which means the promoting of, the preserving of, the pursuing of a sense of self derived from the mind and senses, hmm? from the objective world. I'm a member of the subjective world of consciousness, but I think myself a member of the objective world, and so I function accordingly. That's called material. And when the same senses of my body and mind, are used rather than for their satisfaction, which they will never be satisfied, that's the problem. Hmm? They will never be satisfied, and then they'll get tired. (laughs) All your whole life they'll ask you for things, and you'll give them your whole life. And at the end they say, I don't want any anymore anyway. Hmm? And you'll never get anything out of it. Then they just shrivel up and... (laughs) So, anyway, so to use those same senses and the mind in the service of Rishikesh, in the service of Krishna's senses. That's spiritual. So they're doing that. Hmm? Again, it takes a shape. We call it a sadhaka deha. It's completely spiritual. You say, but I can touch it. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. And it'll have a spiritual effect, too. Hmm? Hmm? Touch means sangha. What is that verse? Beautiful verse. Akshno phalam tadrishakatra sangha. Akshno phalam. Kirtanam hi. Akshno phalam. Sudulava bhagavata hiloke. The perfection of the sight is to see such a devotee. Perfection of speech is to glorify such a devotee. Perfection of touch is to associate with such a devotee. Sudulava Bhagavata, okay, who is very rarely found in this world. Akshnofalam Tadijagatra Sangha, Akshnofalam Tadijajiva, Namhi, Akshnofalam. So, this way, hmm? their bodies 
spiritually. You can spiritualize your so-called material body. What makes it material, as I've explained, is is looking at sense objects of sight, form, sound, and touch as if they are there for you and your sense of you. They're not. Hmm? It's looking at the world as if, if it's meant for you hmm? to be utilized as you like. So they're not looking like that. They're in sadhaka dehas. Hmm? So they're, this is the human-like form of the guru, right? Hmm? right. And, and they are... Um, appearing in Gorlila. Hmm? So we, we were singing about earlier this morning um, before our class and speaking uh, before the formal class about Gorlila. Hmm? We sing about it you know, every morning. And so in a sense, uh, this in Shaitanya Vaishnavism, the guru hmm, in even our modern times is an extension of the Gorlila. Hmm? So in in that way, you can see the the, um, the movements of the Guru, human-like. They are informed, hmm? and the sensibilities, the likes and dislikes, which appear to be a duality. Hmm? In a Gyani, you find he, he has no likes or dislikes. Doesn't want anybody, doesn't like anybody, doesn't hate anybody, doesn't have anything to do with anybody. Hmm? But the devotee likes some people, doesn't like other people. <laughs> he likes devotees, those who are adverse to devotion, he avoids them. Hmm? Right? And um, and then with, in the context of his everyday life, he has likes and dislikes. But these are informed by his spiritual reality. In other words, I have likes and dislikes that are based on my mind's dictates. If I stop listening to them and I accept everything that's favorable for bhakti and I reject everything unfavorable to bhakti, then I have a new criterion of likes and dislikes. If it's favorable for bhakti, I accept it even if it's not pleasing to my mind and senses. If it's unfavorable to bhakti, I reject it. Hmm? Even if it's pleasing to my mind and senses. So I'm no longer moving under the dictates of my mind and senses. I'm moving under the determination of whether or not it's pleasing to Krishna or not pleasing to Krishna, whether it's favorable for bhakti or unfavorable for bhakti. So I, in the context of that duality... I transcend the problematic material duality, which is a false duality created by the mind and senses. Hmm? I have a new criterion. Hmm? So I may look, the person may look to have the same kind of differences. I like this, I don't like that. Hmm? The more one becomes surrendered to Krishna, the more one sadhaka day is perfected, those differences have to do with one's that devotee's spiritual reality, hmm? which again, as I said earlier, involves differences. Some cowards like bananas, some like oranges more. Hmm? This is all part of rasa. Hmm? Every every coward, every gopi, they're different. They're unique. Hmm? Krishna likes sakya rasa. Krishna likes madhurya rasa. Hmm? Hmm? 
the individuality, the difference, is all created by bhakti, hmm? in conjunction with our will. So, sarup-shakti facilitates the will of the jiva. The maya-shakti inhibits the will of the jiva. More when the influence of more that we are under the influence of the maya shakti, the more we become like matter, hmm? and we don't matter. Hmm? The more we become under the influence influence of the sarup shakti, the more our our will, we are a unit of will. The more it can be expressed, hmm? and however we express it under the influence of the sarup shakti, because you are a unit of will. So the sarup shakti is illuminating. So you come out. And the fact that you're a unit of will, you know, that comes to the fore and you can exercise yourself. The more you come under the influence of the Maya Shakti, the less you have the chance to use your free will. Hmm? You can use your free will in the Leela hmm? and it will all be pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? Because it's all exercised under the influence of Sarup Shakti. Hmm? So, in this way, the Guru's humanness, if you will, hmm, the form of the Goswamis, the perfected sadhaka deha, it's uh, it's uh, can be seen in a spiritual light. Does that help? Yeah, interesting, interesting concepts. <laughs> so, all right, what is the time? Seven thirty. Did you have a question, Shalva? No. So I think we've talked a good amount of time this evening and appreciate your attention and good questions. It's been interesting. And uh, some new guests in the back, welcome. Nice to have you here. Very very kind of you to come. Come some distance to hear, participate. Um, I hope I get to meet all of you personally. Some of you I haven't. So again, thank you very much and we'll meet again tomorrow morning. Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Govindananda ki jai, Radha Govinda ki jai, Ram Govinda ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Brinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande.